Welcome to the very first bonus episode of the Asian Madness Podcast. A little introduction before we begin this episode. I will be focusing on more recent news and discoveries for these episodes, so while they're new and developing, they will be somewhat shorter than the regular ones. For the first bonus episode, we will be looking at the murders that took place in Tokyo, Japan, around September and October. If anyone has been following international crime news these past few weeks, you may or may not have heard of the case where a man was found to have murdered eight women and one man. Allow me to present to you Takahiro Shiraishi, also known as the Twitter killer. So who is this man behind these murders? Takahiro Shiraishi, age 27, occupation unknown, was a single man living in Tokyo, an area known as Zama, in the Kanagawa Prefecture area. He moved into a two-story townhouse around August of 2017. His father quickly signed a lease for him, and he moved in. Once Shiraishi moved in, he began its killings. He really did not waste any time. His first victim was a female acquaintance from Twitter. After murdering her inside his townhouse, he spent three days dismembering her body in the bathroom. Once the female acquaintance's boyfriend began coming around and asking too many questions, Shiraishi did what he felt he had to. He murdered the boyfriend as well. It's not too much of an exaggeration to say that this guy murdered about one person per week. He began killing around late August and was identified and arrested late October. So nine victims in two months. His victims were not random, so in my opinion, that's pretty much the pattern that got him caught and arrested. You see, he had this habit of going on Twitter, seeking out women who posted statuses about wanting to commit suicide or were looking for suicide assistance or a suicide buddy. Shiraishi would respond to these women, and some of them were only teenagers. His Twitter handle is called Hanging Pro, as in he's a pro at hanging, and his bio pretty much states that he wants to help people who are in need and that they were welcome to direct message him. His profile photo was that of a manga character drawing, and the character's neck and wrists are visibly scarred, possibly referring to hanging or wrist-slitting. People would direct message him asking him for assistance and advice in committing suicide, and when he saw it as appropriate, he would make his move. So how did he get caught? One of his victims, a 23-year-old woman named Aiko Tamura, was last heard of from her family on October 21st, 2017. Her family reported her as missing, and her brother decided to look into her disappearance. He probably knew she was relatively active on Twitter, so he either hacked into her account or did some kick-ass investigative work, because he noticed her tweets about suicide and her correspondence with a man named Shiraishi. Aiko Tamura stated in one of her messages that she wanted to die. The brother went to the police with this information, 
and upon further investigation, they found CCTV footage of the pair walking inside a train station together on October 23rd. Her brother even went so far as to contact another female follower of Shiraishi. She agreed to help him out. This brave woman set up a fake appointment and met up with Shiraishi on October 30th, all the while the police were following them. As soon as they arrived at his townhouse, police went up and knocked on his door, asking for information about Aiko Tamura, the missing girl. Without hesitation, Shiraishi calmly pointed to the cooler inside his house and said, Oh, she's in here. And she sure was. Her head, along with that of another victim, were stored inside this cooler, pretty much like the ones you take on picnics or to the beach. He quickly admitted to his crimes. According to his confessions, he would advise the woman who direct messaged him on Twitter that it was not a good idea to share your suicide plans with friends or family. This is how he kept people from knowing their whereabouts, and at the same time, keeping himself from being known. Then he would try to sound helpful and proceed to meet up with them. Once they arrived at his house, he would talk to them and have them open up to him about their problems. Once they were comfortable enough, he would attack them by knocking them out. He admitted to sexually assaulting and murdering the victims, and after killing them, he would dismember them. He kept many of their body parts stored inside coolers or freezers inside his house. He would even sprinkle the body parts with cat litter so it wouldn't smell so bad. He was afraid of tossing out the body parts because he didn't want to get caught. He continued to insist that he was doing them all a favor and that too many people in Japan were suffering mentally anyway, so this was to help them. The police say that they have found at least nine sets of human remains and they have been working hard on identifying each one of them. They have come up with a list of possible victims, with ages ranging from 15 to 26. He was served with his first murder warrant in late November. Like in most cases, his neighbors expressed their shock and surprise. Although he wasn't very engaging, he seemed always to be so nice and polite. Well, I guess he could be a polite person and be a murderer at the same time. Maybe these two traits aren't mutually exclusive. We all know about the charming murderers. His neighbors said that they rarely saw him or interacted with him, only stating afterwards that they would often smell something foul coming from around his house, unable to point out what it was, but it definitely wasn't something the neighbors recognized. His classmates from high school were also interviewed, stating that he was always kind and soft-spoken, but he was also suicidal at one point, where he took a lot of pills and attempting to overdose. Anonymous sources have also stated that Shiraishi was once into choking, and he would play choking games with his friends, once he even passed out from being choked too hard. I guess he found this to be very exciting and stimulating. Before Shiraishi became a murderer, he was working as a sex worker scouting agent in Tokyo's red light district, an area known as Kabukicho, 
It was even rumored that he slept with men to earn some extra cash. His ex-girlfriend described him as gentle and mild-mannered, who rarely showed anger in front of women. He was understanding and gentle even when she was breaking up with him. He hugged her and asked her not to go. Shiraishi preyed on women who were feeling depressed and weak in life, and since they wanted to die anyway, what could be the harm in killing them? And he provided a sort of comfort during their difficult and trying times, except he'd kill them instead of committing suicide with them, or killing them according to their own wishes. It's also shocking how these Twitter accounts and negotiations are done so publicly. Twitter's chief executive, Jack Dorsey, also commented on this case to the Japanese broadcast NHK. We need to take on a responsibility to make sure our tool is being used in positive and healthy ways. Japanese government will also be looking into these problematic social media websites and discussions, and possibly introduce new regulations or restrictions. The general public would probably disregard an account offering help in suicide, but for somebody looking to end their life, this might actually be what they need and they will take this seriously. From my own understanding of Asia, mental health issues is not something people talk about. No one really goes to therapy sessions. Barely anyone is diagnosed with mental health issues. No one really talks about it. I think it's kind of a myth to most people. I also think we would improve a lot if we had more knowledge and education on mental health instead of avoiding it like the plague. People suffering from depression or feeling suicidal most definitely don't want to be told to cheer up or to think on the bright side. If most of society gives you this response, it is no wonder people may choose to find comfort in a man who understands and listens to your pain. I will be going more in depth on the subject of suicide in my next episode, so please stay tuned if that sounds interesting to you. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this little bonus episode, and please let me know if you have any thoughts. Thanks to Mike Brown from Pleasing Terrors for bringing this case to my attention. And although I was originally saving this case for my Patreon members, Megan Kenahan wrote in requesting I cover this case. Well, I guess she beat me to it, so here I am. Thank you, Megan, for writing me and for suggesting that I cover this. I would also like to thank Robert Mahoney for also writing me and for encouraging me, so thanks. I would also like to give a quick shout-out to my 5-star iTunes reviewers. From the U.S., Shasta597, and Joel from This Week in True Crime History. Thank you. And from the UK, Blood on the Rocks podcast, Akshay. Thank you. And from Hong Kong, Jai Smith. Till next time. <laughs>